Welcome to Casting Nets. This is uh, one of the hosts, Pastor Dave Rudot. I am here with the gregarious uh, Pastor Will Harley uh, in in the studio. That's a nice word. Yes. And Will Harley, this week, if you've talked to him at all, you've noticed he's a little bit smarter and more intelligent and more well-spoken this week. Shocking. (laughs) Shocking. More well spoken this week because he uh, his uh, church got hit by lightning and he lost all internet, so he was forced, forced, dear listener, to read books, and he has never been happier. And that is true. You know, I am a, I'm a huge fan of books. If you've ever been in my office, I'm always trying to expand my library. But but you know, once they cut off your internet and and you cut off a lot of you, you overuse your data on your cell phone. Um, you're kind of forced to go back and, and, and do the things that you kept promising yourself you were going to do, which is read. So, so um, go ahead. It was, it was very, very good. Um, but we're back up and running. We're, we got the internet going again, and um, we still got some repair work to do as, as we are looking at um, some of the damage that had been done. But uh, slowly but surely, we're going to get up and running and, and bring you back our, uh, the best we can bring. So. Great. Our topic for today is 1 Timothy 4. Uh, we're continuing our uh, series on the pastoral epistles, and this week we're talking about apostasy, which is not your your mother's pasta. See, uh, that's my pun for the day, uh, apostasy and the truth and holding on to the truth in 1 Timothy 4. And as we do so, we are just two pastors having a conversation with God's Word. We hold ourselves to God's Word and the Lutheran confessions, uh, but not everything we say is exactly in line with the Lutheran confessions, or maybe the things that we say are kind of, we're just th- trying ideas out and, and, and uh, throwing ideas against each other just to see uh, where we land, and we always land on the Bible and on Jesus, and that's what we hold ourselves to every time. So anyway, as you are listening and you say, I'm not sure this is what the Bible says, or I'm, I'm confused about what you meant by this, uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. And most of our uh, listeners and responses that we have gotten so far have been people talking to us face-to-face, which, uh, to and be honest, Facebook. and Facebook, which we prefer because uh, if we're talking to us face-to-face, then we can answer your questions right away. And uh, if you're, But if you want to contact us another way through Facebook or through uh, Gmail, please feel free to do so. And if you are just that uh, upset about what we have to say, uh, please just tune us out and uh, maybe listen to another podcast or maybe take a break. Um, and uh, and then come back and listen. And to then us. come back, maybe listen again. Maybe you misunderstood us or maybe uh, we, we can learn from our communication as well from you. So anyway, uh, live free, friends. And uh, your life is a real life and it's living in Christ, uh, living freely. So I just have to say, if the whole entire podcast and all the ones from now on are going to be having some of those puns that that you started off with, I'm going to have to put preloaded onto the reel, like one of those. Ba-dum-bum-tsh. Ba-dum-tsh. 
<laughs> I my kids can attest that I love dad jokes, and most dad jokes are have a pun of one sort of another, and so that's what where I get my jollies from in the morning. We have our morning devotion. I make sure I always have a pun there for the kids to work on and groan. And the more they groan, the more I am encouraged to keep going and reading. Um, the puns. So today we're looking at First Timothy chapter four, apostasy, not your mother's pasta. Uh, and as we talk, this is a section of the book of Timothy where Paul is giving encouragement to Timothy about how to manage being a pastor of congregations uh, in his area or his congregation with his elders. So this is very much a visible church is what is being talked about here. Yeah, and I think we need to remember that it is the visible church because, <clears throat> well, when when we deal with when we deal with the church, we deal with the invisible church, which is is the body of believers that only God knows, right? Um, those who who have been placed by the Spirit into the body of Christ through the the blood of Christ, um, and the mean and the working of the means of grace. Now that is vastly different from the people that maybe gather in a certain building at a certain time, um, and sometimes you know you'll hear the excuse from from people outside, um, uh, and they'll say, "I don't want to go to that church; it's filled with hypocrites." Well, yeah, probably, yeah, absolutely right. In fact, even even the the members of the invisible church are spend time as hypocrites sometimes. Um, but <clears throat> the the reality is. You're not coming to church um, for the people. You're coming to church for the gifts that God is giving, right, through that worship as he opens up the, the scriptures, as he, he pours out his love through the sacraments. Um, and so this is, this is really the key of what um, we're going to have here in, in really Paul's direction to Timothy is focus on the gifts, right? F- focus on what I have given, what, what, what the Lord has given through me. Right, focus on the teachings of of the church of what, it, and that's what we talk about in confirmation uh, every year when we talk about uh, how do we determine which church to join. Well, what are the things that people today want to to choose? Well, they they say, well, this church has nice music, or this church has nice people in it. They're nice looking people in it. Um, could find a potential spouse here, that sort of thing. I What's, really like how fiery pastor gets. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, he just—he really knocks them to the wall. Uh, not all those me other to the wall. people. All those other people, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever the pastor is. But the teaching is what what matters, and that's how uh, Paul begins in First Timothy four, where he says, "The Spirit clearly says, in latter times, some will fall away from the faith because they devote themselves to deceitful spirits and the doctrines of demons." And at, right out of the gate, we go, "When did the Spirit clearly say that in latter times some will fall away?" And uh, here is where we could say, well, the, maybe perhaps the words of Jesus in Matthew 24. You can think of Paul speaking elsewhere. Um, I think it's just one of those things where it's an obvious thing Paul is saying to, to Timothy uh, that people are going to fall away from the faith. So as he's talking about faith, we in the New Testament, when we talk about faith, we, we're talking about it in terms of either faith, that which what we believe, you know, what we believe, or it's faith, uh, the doctrine, the, the body of what we believe. And here, as we're looking at this in context, we would say it would be more of the body of teaching. So it's not that people are falling away from uh, from the true faith in Jesus, which they might be. But what's important and what Paul is talking about in this whole section is holding on to the truth. And so uh, context tells us that falling away from the faith is talking about falling away from the doctrine of truth. 
Well, and I would even say this, you know, <clears throat> and and I'm very appreciative that you brought up some other uh, of Paul's letters, and and you brought up um, uh, Matthew 24, where where Jesus very clearly says, you know, some people are going to fall away, but but I I don't want to limit it there. I want to I want to sort of knock over this this idea that um, <clears throat> that Paul uh, especially, but all the apostles were only limited to what they were writing. I mean, sure. the the spirit said very clearly throughout all of scripture, hey, guess what? People are going to be tending to lean towards the doctrines of demons. Um, they weren't they weren't many months, if any, out of Egypt after God had pulled his people um, um, from the Exodus and uh, they're already building a calf and worshiping it while they're sitting at the foot of 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 uh, Mount Sinai, where God Himself is present, and, and and His rolling anger and lightning and thunder is there, and Moses is up there, and they say, "Uh, yeah, well, we can do better, right? We can." So, so I I would say definitely Paul could be referencing letters of himself, but but the scriptures they had were Old Testament. That I mean, they and they showed Jesus, and they talked of Jesus, and they talked of the true doctrine of the Messiah. Um, and they talked of, of everything that we have flushed out for us in the New Testament is is cored and elemented um, in the in the Old Testament, and he could report back to that and say the Spirit says they're going to do this because oh look they did. Good clarification because we uh, especially when he talks about the latter half of the verse, you'd say well where does Jesus talk about this and where do we see this in the Old Testament? Um, because he, he clearly so clearly describes what's going on inside of these people's hearts and minds, which we can't we can't look into people's hearts so we talked about they devote themselves to deceitful spirits and the and the language there is the uh idea of pulling something towards themselves so it's not just that they uh, are um av- you know they're flirting with uh, evil spirits or deceitful spirits or false spirits which would be you know any kind of false doctrine or or and the devil of course is going to be working within the church as well trying to lead the church away from Christ. Um, but these people are not just flirting with them, but they're actually pulling them in, pulling them in and saying, I want more of this. Right. Yeah. And and the, the, the part about it, and I, I like where you're going, and there's a part of me that from our previous conversation before we started, I would really love to bring in, but I'm not because that would be very angering to you. But the idea, though, that, that, that what Paul is trying to say is, is you know what? Let's not even flirt with this. This is where he's going to go. I mean, don't even flirt with it. Don't even. And 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 here's my and here's and here's where my comment goes on this is is even within our synod, and I know it's prevalent within a lot of other synods. It's like they they are starting to read more and uh, pastors, um, and we've had it in our presidium before, where they're starting to read more and more things that are not, and and, and take it for what it is, Lutheran, where I would say good orthodox let's just say good orthodox sound doctrinal material and and the excuse that i get over and over and over is well they i'm reading this because they have something good that i can take from them and i can incorporate it and i can lutheranize it no you you can't because if it is a doctrine that is false to what the scriptures say then it is a doctrine of demons and there is no good redemptive quality within it because it's built on the framework of a false pretense. So if something is built on the fam- on a framework of a false pretense, you, you, you can't... So if, the, if you're building a house and you build it on a cracked foundation, the rest of the house isn't good. You can't say, well, there's a redeemable quality in the house. No, there isn't. The foundation is cracked. 
So you either got to take the entire house and and take it down to the foundation or you have to rebuild the entire house so that you can build up the foundation. No matter what you do, you still got to you still got to get over the foundation part. So it, it, it to me, it seems as what Paul is saying to, to Timothy is is very, very strictly saying you're going to see this thing happening. Right. This stuff is going to happen because people people are are very much led, as he has said before, to what their itching ears want to hear. Right. They're very much led to to um, gather around themselves what they think sounds good. Um, and he says, don't don't fall into that trap. Look out for yourself, really. Um, which I think is is really, and that, we'll be getting to that and talking more about that. But but he says no. There's going to be this difference between what is right and what I want you to focus on, and and really what you should avoid. Not because you want to glean whatever good you can get out of it, but because it's just not good, and so you're not going to get any good out of it. I would add to that just the the concept of perhaps. I know when you read materials from other sources, you can probably glean some information, insight into the a, the a person's thinking or a psychology or behavior. But it is really it is just shaky ground, and it's not as if I, I, I we would write a law and say you can't uh, read something from a from a, a false teacher. It's just. I think I think what you're talking about, and maybe I'm misunderstanding or mishearing, it's just a fascination that we have and say, well, you know, Lutheran confessions are okay, but I really want to hear the, the newest book, the latest book on this, and and the Lutheran confessions are old news. I, this is a battle that was fought, you know, 500 years ago, and now this is the new battle that that we're that the church is fighting, and, and just that fascination with things that are new rather than. Uh, the truth that we have been given and passed down to us. Well, and I would go and I would say just like, <clears throat> I would step on the same same grounds as Luther in the large catechism and says, you know, um, uh, why is it that we ever think we have outgrown the very basics uh, when God you know, throughout all of Scripture continues to teach us the very basics? Um, a paraphrase of what he says in the large catechism. Um, and, I, and I'd say that this is a lot of what we're going at. You know, we do get tired. We get tired of saying, well, okay, we always are talking about the means of grace and we're always talking about, um, you know, fellowship issues and we're always talking about, you know, fill in the blank of, of something that is very much Lutheran, right? Uh, oh, but that's what's turning people off. You know what? I've never, I have never talked to somebody about the means of grace and had them say, that is the most repugnant thing I have ever heard in my life. I've had them say, that is so overly amazing. I don't know if I can understand it. It's so, that's so, it, it, it's mind blowing if it is true. I've never had someone outright deny it and say, I don't like it because it's horrible. They'll deny it because they don't understand it or, or, or things of that nature. So I, so, or it so, takes away from something that they've done. Bingo. It takes away from something that they've done or feel that they need to do. Um, but I've never had someone say, well, that's old and plaze. You know, when you, when you talk about the means of grace and you talk about the gifts that God gives through his church and, and you talk about the word, you know, it comes back down to do we need things made up? Or, or do we do we rest on what God has said? And that's and he goes, look at and and, and here's, I, yeah, just I'll let I'm you. Sorry, go that's, ahead. No, 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 that's fine. I was just going to say is that if just to build on your topic, topic of you know 
people are going to be upset if we're going to uh, reveal to them um, confessional Lutheranism. I think the I think the more we understand that people are always going to have some sort of conscience working, uh, whether it's a conscience fueled by the Word of God or a conscience fueled by the doctrines of demons. I, I just love that picture that he, he points out because it's just it's this competing force, right? That's really what he's talking about. That that there is a uh, uh, there is the the truth, which is God's word, which is Christ for you, or it's error, and error is still going to motivate you to do. It, it's going to have a right and wrong. It's going to still produce a, a, a conscience, um, and so for us to say, well. <laughs> I'm going to upset somebody. People are going to be upset no matter where you are, no matter what the world is. What fuels their conscience is the question. And Paul is saying we should have God's word fuel that conscience rather than the doctrine of demons, which is going to fuel them on, on consciences that are going to lead them away from Christ. And, and um, okay, so, <laughs> Pastor Rudat, you are heavily on doctrines of demons. So, <laughs> I dear told listener. That's what I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> dear listener, here's the kick. Here's the kick, and this is the amazing part. Here's the doctrine of demons. He tells us, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from foods. And now he gives two examples. There are more, many, many. But notice, those are stupidly simple things that you're like, what? How is that a doctrine of demons? Because, and he, he frames it, he says simply, because God created it all to be received right? With thanksgiving. In other words, he's saying all of the marriage, food, um, the enjoyment of life, which is a pretty much the pinnacle of our podcast, is all gift. In Christ, you are free. You have been uh, um, um, freed to live in Christ, enjoying these gifts. And he, he phrases it and he says, and guess what? The only people who know this are the people who know the truth of scripture. The people who know that when they come to church, they come to church not because I have to, because somehow me coming to church um, um, makes God who God is. God doesn't care. And, and I'm going to say, please say this, um, please understand this in the, in, in the best possible way. When I say this, I don't mean that God doesn't care that you're not in church. I'm, I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying it doesn't affect God if you're not in church. And, and, and so in that case, God, God doesn't care in the sense that, that, you being in church does not have any eternal effect on him. And you sinning has no eternal effect on him. And you not doing the things that he has placed in your life for you to walk in and enjoy has no eternal effect on him. God gave them to you, right? So he gives the church to feed you so that you can get closer to him and understand his love for you. And that you can then go and live in this world. God gives you these opportunities to live with your neighbor and to enjoy these gifts so that you can give praise to him who has given all good things. But if you don't do that, it doesn't affect him. God doesn't sit up in heaven and, and cry and say, oh, what was me? They don't acknowledge me. That's not, that's not my God. And that's not the God of Scripture. The God of Scripture says, oh, no, woe is me. Um, they, don't, they don't acknowledge me. Well, let me come down there, and I will judge them, and they will see me for who I am. Um, Job, anybody? Um, right? Last days. <laughs> um, all knees will bow, right, uh, in heaven and on earth, whether you like it or not, because that's who our God is. And, and so what he's saying is, is you have these, these, these doctrines of demons, 
um, that that come up and crop up in the church, in the visible church, that says we have to do things a certain way, and if we don't do them a certain way, someone's sinning and we're going to hell. You know, you put the shawl on the cross for Lent, and if you don't have three loops and have it perfectly measured down to the center, <gasps> lightning's going to strike the church again, and and or, or or there will be some horrible thing, and now we're all sinning. No, I'm sorry. Or or the fact that you have some people in the church that that don't want to do the work, but they want to tell everybody else how to do the work. Doctrine of demon, right? I mean, and maybe not of an official doctrine, but still a doctrine of a demon that I know the best way, but I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to tell you and enforce the best way uh, to everybody else. Um, all of these things are a part of that. We like to make rules where God has not placed rules. We like to look at those rules and say, this is evidence that God is pleased with me. And I, and I really appreciate what you're saying, where God is pleased with us through Christ. He is giving us marriage for our enjoyment. He has given us a food for us to, to, to manage, or I should say marriage for us to enjoy, food for us to manage. Uh, because we, it isn't just as if God is saying, here, here is, I think it's two separate things, marriage and food, by the way. Marriage I is hope some, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one is God, one is it's not good for man to be alone, alone. and the other one is it's not good, good for, for man to starve. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for man to be alone. I'll I'll give him cake. Uh, no, just the idea of you know how I guess the the elephant in the room of forbidding people to marry would be Roman Catholicism, which says which elevates uh, celibacy as if this is great a greater thing in God's eyes than marriage. Well, where marriage is something God has instituted, God has given His church, and we should enjoy. Well, and and and, use and, it. and 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 I and let's talk a little bit about Catholicism here, and, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but but they consider marriage to be a sacrament, right? <clears throat> but then they consider the monastic vows or the or priestly vows uh, to be a, um, a sacrament as well. And so you say, um, in, in in the Catholic Church, they have seven sacraments, um, but a person can only fulfill six of them. What kind of, and, and I'm just going to step back here and just going to just pose the question, what kind of a God would, would prescribe sacraments, which means uh, a holy act of God giving his gift through physical means, a very brief and, and crude definition of sacrament, right? Um, but a, a gift from God where he, he works uh, forgiveness of sins through physical means and his word. What kind of a God would give those and say, okay, there's seven of them, but you can only have six. Any any given person can only have six. Well, in the Lutheran Church, we would say, no, there is three, <laughs> uh, two sacraments, but you have, well, okay, so two definitely, one in contention, <laughs> right? We would say um, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And baptism is for all, and the Lord's Supper is for those who can who can rightly... Um, recognize their sin and their need for a Savior and recognize who Christ is through the Spirit. But then we would also say maybe confession and absolution, hypothetically maybe, depending on what circles you're in. But it all depends because sacrament is a definition that we ascribe, and it's a category that we put together. Right. And the Scripture doesn't speak that way. It just says, here, here is God's gifts. But essentially, but essentially it's here's the ones that, that Christ that Christ instituted and Christ gave and has given to the church to use and that, that all can have, Right. So, so there's a difference between these these ideas of the doctrines and and, and the teachings um, of what we have going on. Like I said, I didn't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that is a rabbit hole. I'm um, going to talk about foods a little bit more. 
And we would say, well, is the things that God has given, the material things, are they just for us to use how we want? And Paul does give a clarification there. Like, we have to receive those things with thanksgiving, set apart or sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Like, these, the word of God also has something to say with how we take in the material stuff that we have. So we think of uh, the kinds of foods that we have, the alcohol or sugar or marijuana. There's a can of worms as well, where this is something where God has given and put into this world or any other kind of medicine or drug God has put in this world. But he has also said, hey, th- these things are b- to be given with thanksgiving, to understanding that these are gifts from God that I manage and also gifts from God that also the rest of God's word uh, gives me some bearing in, as to how to use it. So if I'm going to take uh, um, take some drugs or so- something like that that inhibits my ability to parent or inhibits my ability to work, then maybe I shouldn't be taking them. Or if this is a, a, a you think of uh, sugar is something that it could, too much sugar could it harm your body as well as far as uh, your liver and, and uh, uh, I don't want to get too medical. I'm not a medical guy, but I just... Uh, just the idea of food is a good thing, but how we use it should be in line with the, what God's word has to say. Well, and I think, and I think he he phrases that really, really well to Timothy because he better he, than I did. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. You're you're a commentatorist, and and you're not led by the spirit as Paul I'm was. not led by the spirit <laughs> <laughs> as Paul was. As Paul was. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> That's not what I heard, but. Um, but no, what we have here is, and, and, and I like how he introduces that whole section about specifically eating and really everything else. But he says, he says, right, and everything created by God is good. And um, so we have this food that is, that is created by God um, and how he created it through people, right, serving other people, however, allowing it to grow. And it is good. And then he follows up and he says, nothing is to be rejected. <clears throat> now, that doesn't mean it has to be imbibed. It has to be eaten and received. It means it doesn't have to be rejected. So in other words, I don't like wine. That doesn't mean that it's forbidden for someone else to drink wine. I don't like it, so I won't drink it. But that's okay. You know, it, it's, I don't eat carbs, you know. That, well, that's our, our whole thing. That doesn't mean that my family doesn't eat carbs. I don't. I don't right. say, okay, we're all out of carbs now. <laughs> it's sinful. Right? It's sinful if you eat a carb. No, it's. It, I'm not rejecting these gifts of God just because I, in my sinful, in my sinful body with its with its quarrels, can't handle it. Same thing with somebody, and this is where it could really have the rubber hit the road, right? Where you have the pendulum swing completely to the opposite side. You have someone who struggles with alcoholism, and and they because they struggle, they turn around and they say. Now, no one can drink, right? No one, you can't do this because you had the problem. And, and so now right. the pendulum swung to the other side and you reject it because you had the problem. And I'm not saying that, that, that we shouldn't help you and that maybe when I'm around you, I shouldn't have a drink, but you have no right to say, hey, this gift of God that he has given to be used in moderation, right? Everything in moderation <clears throat> is, not a, is not a horrible thing. Now we come back to some of those things where, where, and I do want to resonate with what you said because I think it needs to be said. There are things that are grossly misused and things that 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 should not be used. And in in some of those cases, you you know you have, and I think marijuana becomes a the hot topic of the day um, because it's the one that's it's in the news. Some people say, well, it's a pain medication. We have other pain medications. Um, I don't know if you necessarily have to use that one. Um, 
some of them will say, well, if I smoke it, it doesn't affect me. Well, that's like saying if I drink alcohol, it doesn't affect me. It does affect me. And I have to be very, very careful when I do that. Because if I am on call as a pastor and I know someone's in, in on their deathbed and I might be called out to go and visit the family or go and sit with them at the hospital at any moment, maybe that's not the time for me to have two shots, right, before I might get into the car. Um, that does not mean that I couldn't have a beer with dinner when I'm eating my, my hot dogs. Um, that has nothing to do with that. It just means that, that you have to be very selective in why you're doing it, when you're doing it, and what's the purpose. If you're doing it because it's centered on you, that's the wrong purpose. And I think that's what God is, uh, what, what, what the Lord is saying through Paul. If, if the reason you're doing something is because, by God, I want to do it because I just want to do it and it makes me feel good. Or because I can. Or because I can. Wrong answer. Sorry. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Full stop. Yeah, the doctrine of demons is really, is, is, is the full spectrum of material is evil, one side, or material is neutral. Like, it doesn't matter how I use the material things I have around me. Uh, I can, I'm, I'm free to do them. It, uh, the doctrines of demons can take both sides. Right, and the doctrine of the truth is, all is by a gift of God. Now take your head out of your backside and think about how you're using it. <laughs> And Can I say that? G- give thanks to God who is... <laughs> oh, I forgot who's that using, part. <laughs> who's, who's giving this for my use and for the benefit of my neighbor. Oh, let's... Can we move on? Or? We can move on. We can move on. So we've sure. gotten five verses. How many minutes? Five verses? Half hour. Half hour. Okay. Here we go. Dear listener, uh, verses uh, 60 is talking about... Uh, and following, he's talking about, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be, be a good servant of Christ, nourished by the words of the faith and the, the good doctrine which you have followed faithfully. So it, again, he's g- continuing talking about faith in terms of this is what we believe, not necessarily uh, the doctrine, which well, the, the content of what we believe, not the actual act of believing. I like the idea of, and nourished the, of the present tense, of the ongoing effect that happens when you are in the word of true faith and of good doctrine, uh, that good doctrine is should not be dead. It should not be something that you're learning. You're, you're not necessarily fighting a battle that's, that was waged 500 years ago. You're fighting a battle that's every day because every day the demons and the spirits of God are leading people away from Christ and what Christ has done. And they're, they've got all kinds of tools at their disposal. So uh, know what the, 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 the true source that's going to bring life and, and, and help uh, for the people that are in the in the in the congregation in Ephesus, and and you know what I what I really really love about this section, and and we probably should say it because it's gonna it's going to um um it's going to come up at the end of this chapter really in full force. What Paul is saying is 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 directly to Timothy. Um, he's he's not widening the scope and saying make sure everybody in your church is doing X Y Z. He's saying no, watch yourself. He, and this is something that I think we all need to get into our head. The only person I can control is me. And, and that's even questionable at times. I can't control someone else. I can live uh, an example, right? I can preach and teach what is true. I can study what, what God has given to me. And I can make it a part of my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't force that on you. I can't make you do that. But I sure as heck can, can live it so that it's an example to you and that you will want to do it for yourself through the power of the Spirit as he enables you to live your life. And I think that's the, the, the way that Paul 
really is encouraging Timothy here is it just a masterful piece because he's not putting the onus <clears throat> on on the people and he's not putting the onus of failure on whether or not the people follow Timothy what he's saying is Timothy if you do this this is all you have for you right this is this is your call your call is to work hard your call is to study the scriptures your call is to be faithful to the true doctrine of of Christ and to live it and to call sin sin and to pronounce grace is grace and if you do that, you're done. You don't do that, there's a problem. But you have it has nothing to do with others. Not a thing to do with others. Although it will affect others, it has nothing to do with them. And I think that is a masterful, masterful thing. I really appreciate uh, those words that you said, Will, just because it reminds me as well of the, uh, the, the constant battle that each uh, pastor uh, should be waging with themselves. And am, am, am I, because the temptation, let's be honest, the temptation for a pastor to say it's, you know, I got to talk about things that address my congregation, my members, their problems, their sin, I got to address it. And you forget that there's somebody else in that same building that's yourself. And this person that you're, as you're conducting yourself, you're not immune to, um, <laughs> to uh, deceitful spirits and the doctrines of demons. You're not immune to get leading people away from Christ or in your anger or your, uh, your zeal for the Lord, you start putting down laws or you're in your zeal and anger. You start uh, looking down on someone else and saying, I'm so much better than you are. Watch yourself in your own doctrine um, and uh, train yourself, not just in, in he, Paul talks about the bodily training. Like this is a, how we take care of our bodies actually it can be reflected in how we take care of ourselves spiritually. So bodily, um, what does he say? Bodily training is beneficial to an extent, but godliness is beneficial in all things. Like how we train ourselves spiritually is going to uh, permeate everything that we're doing. Right, because it's for life and life after. Yeah, exactly. Right. But I, I think, and I like where you're going with this, and, and I think one of the things, because you had mentioned putting down laws for our people, and, and I think this is a very... This is a very pastoral tendency that that happens, and not just pastoral tendency, but maybe elders and council tendency, which is we aren't seeing X, Y, Z. So let's 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 make a we don't we don't say make a law. We'll just say tell them make a policy that this is what we do. And and this is kind of a, a counter to that. Uh, what Paul is saying is is the counter to that is wait a second. The only person that you can watch is yourself. So watch yourself and it will have effects in the world, right? It, it will. Will it always be the effects that you want? No. And, but but that's, you can't control that because that's not for you to control. Um, and that's one of the things that I've always had uh, a very hard time with and I've struggled with and I've had to come to terms with is the fact that my job here on this earth is not to change hearts and, and it is not to not to um, um, direct people. It is, it is to live the life of a calling that God has given to me, right? And, and to do that in, in my particular avenue, which is the public ministry, your particular avenue of the public ministry is to take what we have learned through our weekly studies, what we are continuing to do um, as we advance ourselves in studying of doctrine and scripture and sharing it with someone else. And what the Holy Spirit does with it once it leaves our lips I have absolutely no control over it. And there are times I'll stand up to preach. And we've talked about this when we had our whole podcast on preaching. We stand up to preach. And I'm like, that was horrible. And people are leaving. Pastor, that was the best sermon ever because it was short. 
And you're like, yes, it was. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> um, or but, yeah, right. Or you say it yourself. Did I preach the text? Did yes. Is, is, this is God. This is the Holy Spirit leading. And I, I'm sorry if I, to interrupt, but I just I've been listening to what you're talking about and just the idea of this doesn't fit the normal framework for when our society looks at leadership. Our leadership, our society looks at leadership and says you're you're leading people in a certain direction. And I know as a pastor, uh, I'm not immune to that thinking of saying, well, I got to lead my people in a certain direction where Paul is encouraging Timothy, uh, hold, hold yourself to the doctrines of the Bible and teach the Bible. You know what? Paul is teaching true leadership because you know what true leadership is? True leadership is not do as I say, and then I'm going to go and do what I want, which is, this is a political statement in a way, that's every single leader we have in the nation right now. Every every single leader of corporations around the world are do what I say while I go and do because the rule doesn't apply to me. And Paul is saying the complete opposite. Paul is saying, okay, you're a pastor, you're a leader, and the only way you can lead is to walk, to do it. So you want to be the leader of your people? You want to be the pastor of your people? Well, what do you want your people to do? What, what, what do you desire for them? I desire for them to grow in, in the knowledge of God. So you better be growing in the knowledge of God. I desire for them to be gathering around good books. Well, then you should be quoting from good books. You should be reading and imbibing good books so that you can give that true doctrine. You know, one of the things that I value, and, and I'm going to say it and over the airwaves, and, and if you want to know what my, what our, a little bit of our week uh, dear listener, um, since I've come to this to this uh, district, one of the things that we do in this week is uh, in a week is is Pastor Ruda. He sees probably way more of me than he ever desired, um, and he's regretting it. Not true. Uh, um, but but we get together. Just we've opened up to everybody, but only three of us join. But every week we get together at a different congregation, and we we study the we study the scriptures and, and to do a text study, and it takes maybe an hour and a half out of the day, right? Um, but we sit there and we talk about the text and we do a text study. Um, and, and you could say, well, we're doing that to prepare for our sermon for the people. No, because um, sometimes what we're talking about in that text study, I don't use at all for my sermon. I go a different direction. What we're doing is it's for us. It's, it's so that we, we bring that text for everything it's worth and we're growing and there's times that you and I have called each other and we've said, hey, I, have you read this? Did you, I was reading this book. What are your thoughts on this? Outside of the framework of, of what we consider to be our ministry with our people, because half the books that I'm reading, I would never approach with my people and say, hey, you should read this because it's over their head. They're not there yet. But I'm growing and I need that to grow, right? Um, or we'll, we'll talk about, hey, did you look in the, the book of Concord? Did you see this quote? What are your thoughts on this? Um, this is this is iron sharpening iron as we are growing in this walk to be the leaders of our church as we, we do these things. And I think this is what Paul is saying to Timothy to try to sum up my thoughts very concisely. He's saying, don't worry about them, worry about you. Work hard. Yeah. Uh, verse 11, uh, insist on these things and continue teaching them. I really appreciate, that's verse 11, I'm sorry. Uh, he does speak of, you know, this is what you're supposed to tell God's people. You're, this is the teachings that you're supposed to tell which would be different than what we were saying before about leadership, which would be leading a congregation. This is what I think we should do as a congregation. This is this is what God's word says, and and, and how are we? How are you guys going to um, uh, handle that? And continue to teach. So this is what uh, 
This is what God's word says. Let's let's talk about God's words and where God's word commands, then I'm going to command, um, but not outside of that. Right. And then what does he say after? I mean, he says, continue to teach. And then he goes just a little bit down further and he says, be an example, right? Of course, Timothy is young and he does comment on that. Don't let anybody look down at you because you're young. Um, but he says, be an example, which is which comes back to what we we're saying. The greatest teaching tool that you have is that you are the same person in the pulpit as you are out of the pulpit, right? The grading teaching tool that you have is this: is the stuff that you talk about to your people in the pulpit is the same thing that you struggle with and live with in your life as you live as a Christian that God has made you to be. So when I when I stand up in the pulpit and and I encourage you know be daily daily in in your walk with the Lord and and study the scriptures and and then I say and I know how hard it is and I know that you struggle and I know that you get out of that habit and I know that. Those are the things that I struggle with too, and I'm and I'm I'm struggling with them right now. You know that it's hard to to wake up in the morning and do that that study. It's hard in the morning to, you know, it's one of those things. Twenty eight days, they say, if you do something consistently for twenty eight days, it becomes a habit. Read your Bible straight for twenty eight days. On the twenty ninth day, you'll come up with an excuse not to read your Bible. It 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 is the most amazing thing that God that I and I I, I, I really believe this. It's the most amazing thing that God has placed into the scriptures, the, the fact that the scriptures are not habit-forming. They are conscious effort. Because I read every day. I read all sorts of books every day. In fact, I have this thing on my app. Um, if, you, if you ever use like Kindle, it tells you how many days in a row that you've read. And it's like, I'm up to like, I don't know, over 100. Uh, 100 days in a row. It's like, I read all the time. And, and it's like, my wife's like, that's like your habit. You just open up your phone and you start reading. Do that with the Bible. You have to make the conscious effort, right? And and this is the beauty part of it is, is, okay, this is the conscious effort to live the way that God has made us and the way that God has encouraged us. And is it tough? It is. It's very tough. Um, and if it wasn't tough, Paul wouldn't be encouraging Timothy to do it because it would just be done, right? Um, so it is. It's, 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 it's immensely, immensely tough. Um, and in verse 13, sort of hop skipping and jumping around in verse 13 you see the toughness of it when he says devote it devote yourself that i that that word devoting implies struggle and 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 the the, the word devote implies struggle so if you if you are devoting to something it's going to be a struggle devote yourself to your wife that it implies there's going to be a struggle where where i might not want to do that all the time yeah, and add on to that, encouraging, you know, how hard it is for pastors to encourage. And I know, I understand when we, when Will and I talk about being a pastor is hard, everyone says, well, every work is hard, pastor. And you only have to work one day a that week, we- so how hard is it? <laughs> <laughs> so I know it doesn't necessarily resonate. I, I think what what I would really want you to appreciate is the fact that not that that you feel sorry for your pastor and and how hard he works, or but that we want you or, to feel sorry for us. <laughs> Will wants you to feel sorry for him. <laughs> I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I I am just greatly encouraged by First uh, Timothy and Paul, the inspired Paul, encouraging Timothy to to keep it up and work on yourself and also work on your hearers. You, these are things that can happen at the same time. Uh, with the with the power of the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit behind that Word of God. Uh, that the work that God has called us to do is awesome work because it does change hearts, but it, we are not individually changing those hearts. It is the Word uh, changing that heart through the work of the Holy Spirit. So, so 
kind of moving us through the text a little bit, he switches gears, I think, in verse 14 in, in some ways. Because he's really talking about the encouragement of living our faith, encouragement of living, uh, studying the doctrine and, and being engaged with that. But then he, he, he comes into this, and I have a question with you that it's leading up to. Um, verse 14 says, uh, and I quote, uh, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by, the, by prophecy when the elders had their hands on you. And, I, and it's, I, I wrote on the margin here, just as a question, and I think I already know the answer to the question, but I want to I field it with you. What is that gift? What gift is he referring to? What is the gift that he is referring to in this, this particular instance? You know, I, I, my knee-jerk reaction is the gift of the call that he has been given. That's my knee-jerk reaction, but I, I can't exclude and say that perhaps there is something else there that was in the early Christian church. We have the you know the holy the Christian the early Christian church had other gifts that were um, that are no, no longer used. The gifts of speaking in tongues, for example. So perhaps that is what is being talked about here. Uh, so either way, it's a gift. So it's not something that Paul that uh, Timothy earned. It's not that, uh, Tim, something that Timothy deserved. It's just something that has been given to him to manage, uh, just like the scriptures has been given to him as to manage. So that's my answer. Well, and, and I and like I said, I I kind of wrote that in my notes too. You know that that I'm leaning towards this is the call, um, but you know is this uh, um, the the thing that kind of led me down this rabbit hole a little bit was. You know, how many times where we had the laying on of hands of, of um, a case in point, of Samuel uh, on David and the, and the gift of the Holy Spirit entered him. Now, he was already a Christian before that. He was a believer before that. But now he was, it's like he had it in a double measure um, with the laying on of hands. Um, and we have other instances within Scripture where such things happen, where, where you have um, the Lord who, who imbibes another gift or a, a greater gift. <clears throat> for the purpose, uh, and I, it comes back down to it, it's all done for the purpose of the call. Uh, for Samuel, as he, he did this for David, it was for the purpose that David would be king, right? And he would he would be prepared for that work. Um, when when um, you have this, the, the laying on hands and the rushing of the Holy Spirit uh, with, with um, other believers, it's, or, or case in point, the apostles, um, they were already believers, right? And he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Um, what does that mean? That, that they didn't have faith? No, they had faith, but they're now given an extra measure of, of preparedness. There we go. Um, to do the work, the really hard work that God was going to, going to be placing for them to do. Uh, is, maybe this is part and parcel into what, what is being said here um, by Paul, possibly. Like I said, it could be the call. It could be something more. Uh, what what matters is is that this was something that was given to Timothy. Uh, it was given to him with the backing of God's word, so by prophecy, whatever uh, um, backing of God's word. So whether that be God's word literally, or that be God's word as it passed around, um, as we are talking about with the Spirit, is at at this time was not confined to the written word, but. Uh, openly was able to communicate with uh, the the church and with Paul, um, and then it, it's also closely closely in connection with with Timothy, was to manage what he has been given and not to look down on what he has been given, but to use sure. it and and to, to 
back to what you were saying before, that Timothy should be confident in his calling that he has been given there in Ephesus. He's been equipped with everything he needs. Uh, he's been equipped with the, the, the doctrine that he needs. He's been equipped with the Holy Spirit that he needs. Uh, he's been equipped with the encouragement, the, uh, the encouragement by the Apostle Paul saying, keep doing the work, Timothy, like you're saying, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, don't don't freak out about your members. If if I say this, my church is going to be destroyed. Well, is it the truth, Timothy? Yes, it's the truth. Well, then say it, and and let the chips fall where they may, because the Holy Spirit is is behind you and will use the words that you have to say uh, to grow His church. It's His His invisible church within the confines of this visible church here in Ephesus. And and thank you for bringing that back fully around to to where the conversation really was focused. You know. Um, Paul is talking about the difference between between what you what what Timothy and 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 maybe the pastor, true believer, the one who's part of the invisible church, how they conduct themselves within the visible church. And I think that's really where we have this. You have you have the true believer, the the one who is, is secure in the invisible church, and how he deals with the visible church around him. And there's going to be issue. There is because because there's going to all these other things are affecting you. Um, and and he just sums up his point very very well uh, right there at the end of verse fifteen, where I think I think it leads to where we want to go, which is the that the ultimate encouragement the ultimate encouragement constantly be involved in them right be involved in the study of scripture be involved in the in 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 filling yourself up with the truth of doctrine and and good doctrine be involved in in the use of God's gift um, and living in that thing. Be involved in all these things. And as you grow, uh, he says, so that everyone may see your progress. Um, that's the testimony, right? Um, um, that the, the, the testimony, bringing back to Hebrews, uh, where, where we're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses who have gone before us, right? Not that they gave us our faith, but we can watch that and we can see how they walked um, and, and we model ourselves accordingly. I really appreciate uh, Will and I had this conversation before because I bought a new iPhone. And he's like, do you know that iPhone is going to be watching all of your pictures and all the pictures that you're taking? And I'm like, yes, Will, I'm aware of that. I I'm was actually just trying to <laughs> poke the bear. <laughs> he was trying to poke the bear. But just the, just the idea of uh, there's no privacy anymore. And, and I think some people in our society are saying, this is a bad thing. Our privacy is being taken away. And it reminds me, it's not necessarily a bad thing that my privacy is taken away because, dear Christian, dear listener, is that because who I am from that you don't see on Sunday is still the same guy you see on Sunday. That's who I'm aspiring to be. Right. Uh, and, and there's accountability there. There's accountability there. And Paul, as he speaks to Timothy, as Timothy is in the midst of his congregation, uh, he, who he is, no matter where he is or who he's talking to, Timothy should be the same person. And uh, he should be addressing the, the, uh, the, the uh, doctrines of demons. I want to say that one more time before the podcast is over, because I just like how that sounds, the doctrine of demons. It just rolls off the tongue like barracuda or bourgeoisie. The doctrine of demons, as he is uh, engaged around the, with the visible church around him, uh, and he is encouraged uh, by the Apostle Paul to hold on to the truth of God's word, because that is what's going to save Timothy, and that's what's going to save his hearers. Well, yeah, and and you know the and and I like where you're going with that, and I, I was trying to poke the bear with, but mostly because I just don't like Apple products. Um, <laughs> but but no, you know, I think I think what we fail to realize is that, and and this is this is I think something. 
um, that the Lutheran Church has always strived to do, um, and and I think we failed sometimes, but but maybe other denominations outside of the Lutherans um, kind of perpetuate. But anyway, this idea that um, there's not your spiritual life and then there's the hidden one that you live, as long as you have the external spiritualness showing. That, 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 that's not a thing, and, and that's what Paul is trying to say, that, that that's not a thing. There is, because the, the, that's a hypocritical life. That's the doctrine of demons. Um, the, the truth is you are, a Christian is who God has made him to be or her to be, and what you present yourself in, as the, in the church should be who you present yourself as in the public. And so there, there shouldn't be a reason for you to be ashamed, right? Um, or a reason for you to not, to not continue to live in that way. Um, and, and, and so he, he sums up his words at the end of four with, with, and I underlined it and, and bolded it in my own Bible because I just thought it, it, it was so telling. Pay close attention to yourself. And if, if, if all of us would have, would do that, I think we would be in a much better, right? Uh, I can encourage you, I can help you, but really what you want to do is what you're going to do and I don't care. Um, in, re- in respect, right? If, 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 if you sin, I want, I'm, because I love you, I'm going to call you out. But if you continue to sin, it's not on me. Because you've done your job. Like, uh, is that Ezekiel or is that Jeremiah where, where God says to him, if you point a sin out to a man, it's on him. But if you don't, that's exactly. Jeremiah, right? That's Jeremiah, okay. right? And but it's but it's the same. But that's that's exactly what I'm saying is pay attention to yourself, right? Um, because I have been given these gifts. I know whose I am and in whom I live. And if I neglect that, that's on me. I can't blame someone else for my lack of desire to read the scriptures or my lack of preparation or my lack of of doing what I know to be right. I can't blame. No one else made me do that. Uh, and that was a, a really telling thing. I've been having these conversations with my wife and it, and it was because um, she's been tendency, she has a tendency to say, um, uh, my son is hitting the teenage years and you know how that works. Um, and and he'll do something and she, he makes me so mad. And and I, I, I stopped to think about it and maybe it's more philo- my philosophical mind at play, but I said, did he really? Well, yes. Did he force you? I mean, did he hold you down and force anger and, and this madness to come over you? And the answer is no. He did something and you reacted. You could change how you react because you can control yourself. Um, and that's really what, what, what I'm seeing here from Paul too to Timothy. You control yourself, um, especially as a Christian, because now you have this, right? The new man and the old man, and the new man can win some, right? Ultimately, he wins the battle uh, because of Christ, but but the war, or I should say ultimately wins the war, but but still battles. And so there's times where we can win. Do that, right? Watch yourself. Do that. Uh, give, give every tool and weapon to the new man so he can win. Um, okay, I'm done. The stakes are high is how we look at this. We have the um, apostasy, which is not your mother's pasta. Uh, there are the spirits, the Holy, uh, the devil and the evil angels are working people away and pulling people away from Christ. And the Holy Spirit is still actively engaged here today, uh, actively engaged in his word, 
which can encourage us and which can also uh, help us to fight our own battles inside against our old self and our new self. And as pastors, this also is, as we are engaged in this battle in ourselves personally, this will also benefit our hearers as well because we are being real and authentic to them, talking to them about their sin, which is also our sin, their sinful nature, which is also our sinful nature, and also talking about Christ, who is for them just as much as Christ is for us.